You're listening to 100 Words or Less with Ray Hargens. Why, hello there. Thanks for consuming this very podcast about independent music and discussing why people care about it, why they're still involved with it, why they're creating music, and just why this whole DIY scene exists so strongly today in all of our hearts and minds and souls. Because I I don't like wasting your time, straight up. I try to provide insightful discussions, interesting discussions, stuff that you will be able to learn and take away from and know this person that's creating art on a deeper level. And the person this week is someone who I frankly look up to tremendously because I think he is an incredible musician and has been a part of so many legendary bands within the indie rock, emo, whatever you want to call it scene, the Midwest music scene we'll call it, Mike Kinsella. He plays in American Football, played in Captain Jazz, Owls, Owen, his very prolific solo project that he's been doing for many years now. I think the first time I saw Owen was, gosh, 2001, which actually we discussed at the very top of the interview because, yeah, it was a really interesting (laughs) experience watching him at this particular show. But anyways, I am so excited to have Mike on the show. But what I was saying about wasting your time. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I sample a lot of different shows. And there are times in which I like to just kind of, you know, plug in, hang out with the host, hang out with the guest, whatever. And, you know, it's it, it's it's fine to have that experience occasionally. But there are times where I get, uh, I get frustrated when I feel like my time has been wasted, where I don't really feel like I've got any better understanding of who this person is, where I feel like it's just like hanging out for hanging out's sake, like, Clearly, we are at a point in this podcast landscape where we have we, we've got a lot of podcasts. You know, we have a lot of interview based podcasts, and I understand that concept in and of itself is not unique by any stretch of the imagination. But bring some, bring a little unique angle to it. Don't just shoot the crap for an hour, okay? And that's maybe my own personal uh, you know cross to bear because I'm sure that people have listened to this particular podcast and are like, yeah, you just hang out with the person. Like this isn't an interview, which I get. I totally understand. This is uh, you know not only is this a conversation, but hopefully this should share some insight to who the person is. But anyways, I digress. You can email the show 100 words podcast at gmail.com. Always love to have that feedback and correspondence. Also, this is a little uh, self-plug here, but I was on a podcast recently called Adult Education. You can find it wherever you consume podcasts on this very podcast app that you are using. So yeah, just find Adult Education. It was a really, really good interview. And that's not just because I was the subject of the interview, but I feel like he asked some insightful questions about this particular podcast, about previous discussions I had with guests, and we were able to go to a lot of interesting places, including pontificating about when the scene kind of switched into a more, you know, mainstream, commodifiable thing, like a lot of interesting points. But so yeah, find that adult education podcast feed wherever and then, uh, you know, listen to the interview that I did because I think it was a fun discussion. So shout out to that podcast in particular. But let's talk to Mike because that's why you're here. And that's why I am here. And I, I love him. I, he doesn't, he hardly knows me because I've only had an hour long discussion with him, but I love his music and I just think he's uh, an incredibly cool dude. So I was happy to have this chat and uh, you need to check out Owen straight up. If you have only listened to like, you know, American football or maybe a little Captain Jazz, you need to mess with Owen. He, the Avalanche was a record that came out two years or so ago. And I just, I love what he does. I think he's an incredible musician. So check out Owen. If there is one thing that I want you to get out of this interview, listen to Owen. So here's Mike and I will talk to you at the end of the episode. Essentially. I've been aware of your, uh, you know, general presence in the independent music scene for quite some time, but I'll take you to a uh, funny story of uh, you on tour with uh, Me Without You. This was probably, gosh, I don't know, 2001, 2002 or something like that. And uh, you were playing Chain Reaction here in Southern California, where I'm located. And it was really interesting because uh, kids were straight up disrespectful at that show while you were playing. (laughs) where there was this 
this feeling of people were just, you know, they were just talking over you playing, which I know that is not, um, you know, uh, uncommon for people to talk over performers, but clearly, you know, not acoustic performers or solo artists. Um, and I remember my, the group of my group of friends that were there to see you and me without you were, uh, were like, I never felt like this, but like telling people to shut the hell up. <laughs> it was, yeah. Uh, no, I'm, yeah, I remember very- this show specifically. I think I played only a handful of songs with my back to the audience. Like, just like, you know, like I just kind of like, I seriously like set up backwards. Just like, no, I'm just, I literally can only play for myself. There's nothing else to play for. <laughs> um, I also remember wandering aimlessly up and down the street that day. For whatever reason, I was just like really not wanting to be on tour. So it was one of those days. It, no, and I, I mean, I appreciate. Well, I don't appreciate that you uh, have a memory of that because you know it's unfortunate that that happened. But I just, I, I remember, and I still to this day, you know, I'm 40 years old and been to a lot of shows as you have, and I still can't think of a time where I had to be like, like in a movie theater, like, what are you doing? Don't talk over this. Uh-huh. Be quiet. And, uh, but, and you did exude that energy of like, well, okay, if you guys don't want me here, like, you know, clearly I'll just, you know, do my own thing. I mean, that's, that's, uh, that was just a survival skill I've learned. Um, like the more I stress about it, the worse it is. You know what I mean? Like I, in theory, get paid either way. So I, I would just, especially on those tours, it's like, well, you're going to make 50 bucks or hundred bucks no matter what, just show up, you know. I learned yeah. I learned pretty quick like they're not here to see you so don't necessarily take it personally but also you don't have to like just sit and you don't have to like eat shit in front of people for 40 minutes you can you know you can bow out at any moment so right right yeah, yeah. I don't have to force them into liking me yeah know that that it's, it's not gonna work yeah I mean wrong wrong crowd wrong bill wrong yeah wrong, yeah all the above and I, I'm going to guess, like, even though that experience, you know, was, uh, I mean, not singular in the fact that you've never experienced that again before, but was, was that kind of, I, I guess, the sort of worst case scenario of you putting yourself out there from a, you know, solo perspective? Because clearly that's like more vulnerable than, you know, you and your friends up there uh, goofing around. So it, it, I guess, would you call that kind of like, oh man, like, this is definitely when it's off the off the rails or this is kind of like, well, I just know that I need to approach these scenarios with that expectation in my head. Yeah. It's sort of, you know, that was, that was sort of early on. And maybe I, like I said, I was, I kind of had to learn that it wasn't, it, it wasn't inherently, uh, it wasn't like instinctual, you know, I didn't necessarily have confidence to go do what I did. I, I don't, I was never like, oh my God, I got this great voice and I'm going to blow people out of the room. You know, <laughs> it's just like, right. it's like, I'm going to play this, this quiet shit that I recorded, you know, months ago. And, uh, you know, some rooms lent themselves better to that. And, um, I mean, I can go, I can just, I can list all the, all the really, really bad shows and that's on the list. Um, and I stopped playing, you know, I stopped kind of doing those shows. I stopped Yep. I kind of got older and was kind of like, well, I could, you know, I could leave for three weeks and play four good shows sporadically with, you know, a handful of terrible shows in between, or I could just play those four shows <laughs> and it'd be, I'd have a lot more time at home and, you know, yeah. Right. I, <laughs> when you were able to unlock that in your brain that you didn't have to, like you could pick your spots. I mean, clearly you had put in the work to be able to kind of pick your spots and know the areas that you, you know, do better in than, you know, previous times that you've played there. But I'm sure that's a very liberating feeling to be like, yeah, I'll just do this and this will be a better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's it. Yeah. I mean, just, I just, it was just, it's sort of like, you know, the same way, like maybe in fourth or whatever, third, fourth, fifth grade, you start to like learn how to make friends and you're like, wait a minute, this guy doesn't make me feel good ever. Why do I keep hanging out with this kid, you know? And then you realize, oh, I don't, you know, like in kindergarten, your parents kind of tell you like, oh, you guys are best friends, you know, because they want, the parents want to like hang out during a play date. But uh, yeah, you sort of like make up your own mind and control your own destiny a little bit. Right, yeah, there's choices in the matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, putting the the, even though we were putting the spotlight in you right there, Speaking about, you know, growing up and I know your experience being, you know, born in Chicago and I I presume that your upbringing would kind of be sort of 
I guess, quintessentially Midwestern as far as, you know, in the suburbs, like that sort of, you know, mom and dad in the house and that sort of scenario? Or am I painting uh, too broad of a picture there? No, I mean, that's, yeah, essentially, I think it would have been, or it would have, it would have seemed a lot more, you know, like just generic suburban life. Um, if I didn't have an older brother that sort of created an entire punk rock scene, you know, literally yep. in my basement. Um, so I, you know, it's at whatever age, maybe other kids sort of like just sort of settled for this is my existence. Um, there was like, you know, some like burnout high school kids practicing in my basement already. And, um, starting to maybe play shows that, you know, they were in people's backyards and they were VFW halls, but it all seemed way more exciting than like it to create seemed way more exciting than to sort of like just be a pass passive sort of, uh, observer. So yeah, I guess I'd credit to having just a cool older brother. Right. Yeah, exactly. And the, uh, I presume like mom and dad in the house as well. Uh, yeah. I mean, they were both in the house. Um, dad drank too much and he was, I don't know if he was, uh, awake, <laughs> but he was, they were, right. Yeah. He wasn't awake much long after much, uh, much after getting home from work. Yeah. Um, right. And after work, I mean, he already had gone to play cards and maybe golf and drink with his buddies. Um, got it. Yeah. No, I mean, just, you know, it's pretty normal. It's just like I lived on a cul-de-sac. So I just remember like all the kids on the block would just always, you know, staying out till as late as we can till dark and playing games and causing like quote unquote trouble, even though it was completely harmless. Sure. Of course. Well, yeah. The general tomfoolery of children. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Same yeah. as everybody else. I mean, I guess I'm, you know, I'm raising a couple of kids in the city and I'm slowly starting to see that maybe the trouble is in, in quotes as much, maybe, I don't know. There just seems to be a little more opportunity for like, actual shenanigans whereas mine was just sort of like oh my god like you know we rang somebody's doorbell or we ran through somebody's backyard and we know they'd be mad if they knew it like it wasn't we weren't hurting anybody right yeah yeah (laughs) the um and you're correct me if i'm wrong but you are the youngest of your brothers right i am just two of us yeah right And, uh, you, were you that, I mean, I know that in previous interviews you've articulated, you know, you just kind of, you know, punishing your way into, uh, you know, playing with your brother and stuff like that, just being, you know, at the top of the basement steps with your guitar being like, Hey, maybe one of these days I'll be able to join. Uh, was that kind of always your, I guess, mode of being like, Hey brother, I want to participate in whatever you are doing. Or was that just because of you thought the music was so cool and what they were doing was cool? I mean, it's all the above, you know, it was just, like I said, like that was sort of, that was the first experience I had of sort of like seeing like, oh, you can like, you can just pick up these instruments. Doesn't, you don't have to go to like, um, like we, I remember signing up for like, uh, Tim took guitar lessons and I took piano lessons. I think he was in fifth grade. I was in third grade and we both lasted about three months, maybe let's say. And then it was a couple of years later, it was just, you know, then he started having friends over and they were playing music and it was sort of like, oh, cool. Like we didn't have to do all the bullshit. We can just be a band. Like we can just do this without doing the parts that aren't fun. And so it was nothing but attractive. Sure. Absolutely. And uh, I'm going to kind of guess that you're, I mean, the nature that you, this is maybe playing a little uh, armchair psychologist, but um, you generically speaking sound like a, you know, a pretty chill dude. Like you, uh, you definitely have the the vibes of, uh, you know, us California people just being like, Hey man, like just hanging out. Um, was that, uh, was that kind of always who you were or was that, you know, did you try on uh, different personas as you were, you know, growing up in junior high and high school and stuff like that? Mm, I think I was always pretty, I was like super shy. Maybe chill's not the word. Like, cause I've also been described as obnoxious, but somehow it makes sense to be obnoxiously shy. Um, Okay. I guess, yeah, I don't know. I, uh, I like, I've told, like, I've explained it to people that like, I'm sort of like confidently not cool. Like I'm, I'm, I wasn't cool, but I also was kind of confident in some ways about it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I guess, uh, musically, like, you know, I was in like the first bands were sort of loud and I was just hitting as hard as I could. And it was some sort of release of maybe, you know, I guess, looking back of sort of just like frustrations of maybe being shy or whatever, but um, yeah, maybe I, right. I got more comfortable. And I also kind of got to a point where 
like less is more sort of like music and performing and all that. Like I did, I, I don't think I have like any sort of like uh, interest in performing. So the only sort of <laughs> like, instead of ramping it up and sort of like doing more on stage or something in any way, I was just sort of like, okay, how can I ramp this down and just sort of like distill it to sort of like, you know, as small as it can get kind of. Sure. Sure. Yeah. The, uh, you do have to kind of ebb and flow of that nature when you are figuring out that you sometimes don't need to, you know, be the loudest or take up the most space on stage and be like, Oh yeah, sometimes, you know, having, uh, just an amp and a guitar and not having, you know, a drummer with two bass drums or whatever, mm-hmm. like 16 and try to figure it out. Right. No, that was all, you know, that was, I, yeah, it's, it was all, I've just done this so long. I'm trying to think back of which phase, what I was thinking, you know, like, yeah. um, that, you know, that, that I had a huge, the first drum kit I ever bought was huge and stupid and I didn't know how to play it. Um, and then hopefully I learned how to play a little bit of it and then I got rid of the parts I couldn't or didn't need anymore. So yeah, it's all, sure. it's the same. I, it's the same thing. Everybody, I mean, I'm just guessing you and all of your friends were all also in high school bands. Like anybody with like any sort of like interest in this kind of shit. Um, you know, they did it. They picked up instruments themselves. They were in bands to varying degrees of sort of technicality or technical prowess or whatever. Um, and it's just, you know, dumb luck that people have heard the band that I was in in high school. And then it was enabled me to sort of continue doing this. So, Right. And it is interesting too, with the notion of all of these, you know, physical documentations of, you know, who you were as you were growing up musically is so interesting because they're, is a real demarcation line and people following along with your being like, Oh yeah. Like I like Captain jazz and Joan of Arc, but hard pass on owls and Owen, oh, they suck or whatever American football. I can't stand. Sure. So like, it's really, it, it's, it's, I'm sure it's interesting for you to kind of be able to, uh, you know, express yourself in all these different, uh, forms and have people have an opinion on, you know, yes, I like Owen, but I hate American football or whatever. Yeah. I mean, those two in particular is that's just sort of, I don't know what that is. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't blame them. Like you, you like what you like. I don't, I don't understand. There's not like, there's no bragging rights to like in either one of those bands. So it's not like you're trying to impress anybody. Um, I could see cabin jazz, like, you know, like as with Tim, the front man, like it's a different vibe and different kind of music. Um, but I also wrote a bunch of those guitar parts. So it's sort of like, in my mind, it, it really is part of like the same tree. Um, but I, you know, it's definitely delivered differently and, expressed differently so yeah of course yeah based on your age and like you said your technical prowess or lack thereof mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> my lack thereof yep yeah right exactly you're like still still riding that train <laughs> the um the the idea of you know kind of figuring out who you are uh not only through music and once you found that you know community of uh you know the diy scene and chicago was so vibrant from that perspective was there any other sort of I guess life path and plan. Cause clearly the idea of, you know, it's like, Oh man, we're going to, we're going to make it with Captain jazz. Like that was <laughs> part, part of the radar. Uh, so like, did you care about school? Were you being like, Oh, I'm going to grow up and be this. Um, uh, I didn't, I liked school. I, but you know, I like, I guess I liked it. The further along I went, the more I liked it. Um, I didn't, I wouldn't say I put a lot of effort into it. Uh, you know, I graduated from college. I had no aspiration to like continue on and get any sort of, um, you know, masters or anything in, in any department. I sort of stumbled into a major, which was anthropology and minor in history, just cause I had enough credits, to, you know, collected to declare those. Um, I knew right when I was graduating that I was going to go right on tour. Like it wasn't like, Oh, maybe now I have to, you know, do the job hunt thing. Um, right. Yeah, I don't know. I like it was I guess the people I was the scene I was, you know, I was it was just like so influenced by like the DC scene and uh everybody else like all the shows we were playing just like throughout high school and college like everybody was just, it was just DIY and do it yourself so I didn't there wasn't I didn't see an end to it but I also didn't see like a next level to it. It was just sort of like this is awesome. You know, this is fun. I, like can't think of anything more fun than like leaving for seven weeks and coming back and paying your rent. <laughs> like, that's amazing. Right. So, and then, you know, at that time I was maybe, 
starting to drink, maybe becoming a little less shy and actually meeting people and sort of enjoying it more and more. Sure. Sure. That's, um, yeah. And especially too, with the notion that there was no uh, sustainability, like you were talking about it, there was no roadmap. It was basically very hand in mouth or hand to mouth. Like what's the next opportunity? Mm-hmm. Oh, we release a seven inch. Like, I guess we'll go on tour now. Yeah. I mean, it was just, that was the only goal there was, it was just like, it was just sort of coming out of maybe bands that I liked signing to major labels. And then there would be a backlash and then they would kind of, most of them would just break up. So it was like, well, that's not like a, that's not a cool route. You know, that's not good. Let's just keep doing what we're doing. And then right. we, that le- we, at least we get to keep playing. Um, yeah. I mean, that yeah, was, that was the goal. <laughs> right. The goal was to just right. do it, uh, you know, in three months, get to do it again. Sure. Sure. And it, it's so interesting. I've had these conversations with friends and other people on the podcast in regards to the concept of, you know, selling out, like it just obviously doesn't exist anymore. Like the goal is to get a song in a commercial, whereas that was obviously toxic in the early to mid nineties. Like you just couldn't do that. Right. I mean, yeah, yeah. But then, then you could all of a sudden like, <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> Yeah, like, it's like it would, now, now bands like specifically write for that. Oh, absolutely. Like, oh, yeah, like I mean, and also yeah, there, it just there's not even you know the, the, not only are they they doing that, and but there's like nobody cares and everybody expects it, and it's sort of the I mean honestly the only way to sort of make money doing this now. So, yep, absolutely for sure. And I, I'm I'm gonna guess I mean like you said your your intro to independent music was definitely you know through your older brother and you know kind of the DC stuff that was coming out of Discord and everything like that. Um, was it what kind of attracted you to it? Because I mean since you were so young, like 11, 12 years old, and you, arguably at that point, usually you're just kind of you know absorbing stuff that's either on the radio or, you know, passed down via your parents. Uh, what kind of attracted you to, you know, Fugazi and the like, um, to be able to, not like you could articulate at that age, but like looking back, what, what attracted you? Yeah. I mean, it was, it, it started as sort of maybe just the aggression, I guess, you know, like I said, like, sort of like, I was sort of coming out of, I was like a little metal hood sort of. Um, so I was into that, you know, some sort of louder aggressive stuff anyways. Um, and then the sort of, DIY punk ethos um, became attractive just because it, it it really like it was everything that would benefit everything we wanted to do, you know, like, Oh cool. Like they're set up, they set up their own shows. You know what I mean? They're not, you don't have to go to a bar or something. You just like find a space and you pay them a little bit of money and then you uh, collect a little bit of money. And then, yeah, it was, uh, it's just everything we wanted. Put your own records out. You know what I mean? Like I said, like you didn't have to, I think there's like, you know, you'd be like insecure about maybe not being good enough at your instruments. And then you're like, hold on, if we just put ourselves, nobody can tell us we're good or bad. It's just like, this is our record. This is what we want to do. So. Yeah. Just the autonomy. Cause it does, mm-hmm. it is refreshing when you have, cause especially at that age, you don't have any, um, you don't have any authority, nor do you have any, a lot of control. Like, parent you got to go to school you got to do all these things and for you to just like rest a little bit of that to be like oh yeah we're gonna you know put up this record to put on the show that's like wait you can do that oh absolutely and you get your friends to do it and you're gonna invite your friends from out of town it's like they're like it's a big deal to get these you know this band that you've you've heard like a seven inch you've only heard two songs and then you invite them and they're gonna come play a whole set and it's amazing and (laughs) yeah it's just it is kind of like you're you're in control of a thing. It's like whatever. It's sort of like what I enjoy doing about fantasy football. But it's just like it was real life. It was like we're controlling our own stuff. Yeah, exactly. You're like I can put together this team and completely stomp the competition in the same way that we can just dominate this. You know, these ten people <laughs> in the suburbs of Chicago. Yep, yep. And maybe we'll get to Wisconsin. How cool is that? Yeah, it was so exciting. Yeah, totally. Um, did you, so I, I'm guessing, you know, prior to Cap and Jazz, like you did not play in any sort of, you know, musical projects, right? Like you were just basically dicking around in your room and at the top of the basement stairs. Yeah. I mean, I was, so I picked up guitar trying to like just learn Tim's sort of old band, but it was, it was the band that turned into Cap and Jazz, but I was, I was trying to learn their songs. I remember I had like a little Foss Tex four track. And a Casio keyboard. And I remember trying to write like Nitzareb kind of songs, like industrial stuff. Um, wow, that's pretty. That's pretty progressive at that age too. It was cool. I mean, like, I wish I had those tapes. Like, I mean, yeah, like it was. That was a vibe. That was fun. 
Um, sure. And it's, you know, you record three tracks, then you bounce them, and then you record two, and then you bounce it. And it was, I liked the whole process. Yeah. Yeah. That's about the. <laughs> That's really fun when you can again feel like you have that level of control where it's like, dude, I doubt that you know my friends are thinking about doing a you know hard industrial project at this time. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they were. I had a couple of friends like into the Smiths. Like it wasn't. Yeah, it was sort of. I was. I was definitely hanging around with Tim's friends more at that point. Right. <laughs> and as you're, I mean. It, from how, what you've articulated in the past and previous interviews and other, you know, documentations of you growing up, the, you, your parents seem pretty permissive with all of this, you know, what they probably defined as like weird stuff happening. Like, what do you mean my sons are traveling out of town to play a show and stuff like that? Um, was there any, I guess, reticence from them to be like, okay, guys, like you can be doing this, but you got to keep up your grades or, you know, uh, or was it, they just liked you guys at the house playing with your band. And stuff. I think that's part of it. I think my mom, it just, you know, she was able to keep tabs on us. Um, sure. I think the grades thing was maybe implied, you know, like, I don't, I don't remember ever having the conversation, but I think she didn't have to, we were both like pretty good students and weren't, I don't, you know, like we weren't looking for trouble. We were just looking for sort of excitement. And we were also, I think, um, I don't know if I've said in interviews, like my mom baked Fugazi a cake. Um, yep. and so she brought him a cake to tell him what, you know, to thank them for being such great influences. So I think she understood like sort of the values of the scene instead of like, you know, if we had continued into like, just maybe like the metalhead scene, I think there is a different sort of, a. I don't know. <laughs> it attracts a different kind of person, I guess. I don't know. Uh, yeah. or at least like sort of lifers, you know what I mean? Like if that was the road you're taking, I think that she'd be a little more hesitant to like embrace it and sort of, uh, encourage it. But I think she saw like, okay, well, this is just, it's just making them, you know, focus on a thing and put effort into a thing. And I think there's value in having kids having some sort of success. So she was happy to see it sort of work, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, that's pretty incredible of her to be able to not only recognize that, but feel compelled enough to stoke that fire. And then also literally at the same time, bake a cake for Fugazi. Like that's, uh, usually, you know, parents stop at a certain point, but you know, your mom sounds a little, uh, extra in, in the best way possible. Yeah, no, she's, I mean, yeah, really amazing. Like, you know, obviously every, no, nobody would be there without their mom <laughs> literally, but like, um, yeah, she never, I, you know, my dad was never, he definitely could have put a kibosh on shit and been like, I'm trying to sleep on this couch at 6 PM. Yeah. And quit playing the drums. But you know, it was just sort of, he, I think he just sort of, to his credit, you know, rolled his eyes hard enough or he just passed out. So that was good. Right. Yeah. It's just like, whatever, as long as they're out of my hair, that's totally sure. Right. Yeah. Besides records, can you tell me the most important thing in independent music merchandise, right? Like, let's be honest. That is the life's blood for so many bands that tour. Like, yes, guarantees and all of those other things are important. Selling music is important. But really, what gets bands from point A to point B is merchandise. And rockabilly.com is the place where you should go to buy all of your band merch when you are sitting at home looking to score that, that cool shirt or sweatshirt or long sleeve, whatever it is. Rockabilly has it. And you can use this promo code, 100 words or less, that gets you 10% off your order. That's the same thing as walking up to a band after a show and then being like, you know what? I'm going to charge you $2 less. Here's that shirt. Great, great company. It's all officially licensed. The bands get paid. They make money off this. It's a great thing that you will be able to get out of this. Not only do you get great merch, but then it gets shipped directly to your door. You don't even have to go to a show because, you know, let's be honest, shows, there's there's a lot less now than there was, you know, a couple of years ago. People are still feeling out the world as it stands. But Rockabilia will handle all of that for you. Again, 10% off your order, 100 words or less, rockabilia.com. Have fun going on their website and finding yourself some new merch. As you started to kind of, you know, get your feet wet in regards to playing out and, you know, touring a little bit and playing outside of your city, did you uh, immediately take to touring or was that something you had to, I guess, learn to enjoy and learn how to get enjoyment from it? Yeah, I think it was the same thing. Like kind of learned it. Um, I always enjoyed sort of 
just doing something new, like it, that excited me. Um, I took some getting used to like being stuck in a van with like four of the dudes that are smoking cigarettes for like six hours a day. <laughs> like that was like, Oh, maybe this sucks. You know, maybe I made terrible life decisions that led me here. Um, then slowly, like, you know, you get used to it or people start rolling the windows down after a while. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like there's like little things like just sleeping on people's floors. Um, it was romantic for a while until I kind of got older and then it was painful. Um, playing, you know, mostly empty rooms. It was just fine for a while. And then, like I said, you learn how to not do that. So it's, you know, it was, you sort of learn how to do it. Excuse me. You learn how to do it better. But, um, I was always attracted to it. I still like, I just played the first shows I played, you know, 18 months last week. And I'm kind of just riding high on just like, like renting a car and just driving, you know, on a highway by myself. I'm like, this is fucking awesome. Like, right. yeah, I don't know. I missed it. Like little things that I'm just like, I can, I can pull over wherever I want and pee. Like there's nothing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. The world, the world is my oyster. The world is my toilet. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. I can stop at any truck stop I want to. And it's great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so as you started to, um, you know, be able to have some level of sustainability where you were talking about, you know, you would return home from tour and be like, oh, I cool. I can pay my rent and stuff like that. And like you said, after you graduated college, you know, you immediately just went on tour. Um, was it always one of those things where you were basically kind of building your life around, uh, you know, the bands that you were doing in regards to just having, you know, yeah, I'm going to work at a bagel shop and then I'll quit and then I'll come home and deliver pizzas or whatever. Um, was that kind of how you were structuring your life as you were, you know, getting more immersed in that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, uh, it, but all through my twenties was just, it's all I had to do and it was nothing but fun. And, um, you know, even the, even the bad tours were just fun. <laughs> like it wasn't, I, there was, <laughs> There was no gravity to it, or not gravity. I guess there was no, know, there was no consequence. It was just like, oh, that was a waste of three weeks. Okay, I can't wait to do it again in three weeks. You know, um, th- eventually I met a girl, you know, getting married, and then she sort of had a job lined up. So it was just understood. Like, it just seemed like a great. It seemed like the best part time job ever. Like even like after having kids for a while, I was sort of like, okay, I'm basically home with the kids, can leave when I want, make a little bit of money, and also like you know, be as, you know, it's like a creative outlet that I sort of, you know, eventually learned that I need less than want. Um, so yeah, it was, it was always in, in, there was, I'm trying to think like, uh, there was definitely times where I'm like, man, fuck this. I need to get a real job. I've had, you know, real jobs or real part-time jobs. Um, and the sort of goal is to not have to do that, but We'll see. It's always sort of like, I don't know, if nobody comes to the shows and nobody buys the records, then I can't, I'm not going to kind of like move to Nashville and be like, okay, take one last shot at this. And like, you know what I mean? It's sort of like, if if what I do doesn't work, then I got to figure out something else to do. Yeah. Right. If there, yeah. If the appetite isn't there, it's not like, okay, my only, my only shot is to be the, the songwriter, you know, du jour or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I'm not, I, I told you, I don't, I don't have like, the, I'm not going to sell anything to anybody. <laughs> I'm just turn, I'm going to turn around and play backwards, you know? Right. <laughs> totally. Yeah. You're not going to be performative. I'll just uh, put it out there and then hopefully you'll buy it. And if not, then, you know, we'll move right along. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> the, um, I, something that I find, and I'm sure that once the resurgence of American football in regards to like, wait, why is this thing popular on Tumblr? Like why, like there are so many things that um, still to this day, I, I just find so incredibly um, odd and entertaining and not in a bad way, just in a like, how did this thing that you guys obviously put a lot of care and effort into recording the music and putting it out there, but not to the extent where it's just like, oh, cool. Yeah, we'll, we'll sell, you know, three nights of 10,000 people. <laughs> like just how big it got and how, you know, was it... Uh, and this may be too big of a question, but just like, was it uh, overwhelming as the, the, I guess, machine started to roll where it's like, oh yeah, we will play, you know, <laughs> we we will play Lollapalooza or whatever. Like we will take these opportunities where it's like, you know, you would have told us 15 years ago and you'd be like, no, that doesn't make any sense. Well, I mean, yeah, like we wouldn't have believed it until it happened. Like right. still, like it's still, I mean, when you, 
Yeah. I mean, we still don't believe it. Like we still don't, we're not like a real band and we don't really have any sort of like, you know, the people who like it, like it, but it's like, you know, my mom could be telling her friends about me and I'm in a band and like nobody's heard of it. And if they heard it on a TV show, it would just go right past them. Like, it's not like, it's not like an immediate sort of like, you know, uh, there's no like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, I guess. Um, it just, it seems like it's still not a real band. You know what I mean? Just cause we took so much sure. time off. Like we were even writing, we wrote two more albums and you know, in the studio we're a real band more like in band practice, we're a real band. But, um, as soon as we kind of get back from a leg of tours, everybody dives so hard into the, into their lives that, um, I just feel like other bands are, would be like sort of full-time. Like, I mean, I just, I know all these other bands that sort of pursued it in a way where like they have a practice schedule that they stick to and they have like two years of their life mapped out and they know the whole next album cycle. Um, and this still seemed or seems sort of like, uh, accidental i guess i don't know sure <laughs> well just that that idea that you american football exists outside of the confines of your trappings of the music industry you know it's like you guys can work with polyvinyl and put out a record whenever you feel like it and now it, now it's at this comfortable level where it's like you guys can plug in and be as active as you want to with it without having any sort of pressure to be, you know, playing 300 shows a year or whatever. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's nothing but desirable, but it's also, you know, I, I, I think we all understand that there's the risk of sort of falling off the radar or, you know, it's just, there, everything happens so fast now. Like we're just between the you know, album two and three, we're kind of like, should we even do like a proper album? Like, <laughs> like we could release it. And then like a week later, there's so many other, there's like the whole world, changes in a week you know what i mean so it's like it's sort of like well i don't know is there a point to this like should we just put out one song like once a month for the rest of our lives like is that more is that how you stay relevant i don't know i mean we don't we didn't obviously stress too much about it and or make the correct choice but yeah (laughs) sure yeah And, and and i'm sure like as you were put into these opportunities and as you guys were pursuing these opportunities that had never been afforded to you in the past um did you uh, i mean i know you're a pretty self-deprecating dude to begin with where you're not going to buy into the ego of being like oh well obviously i'm mike Kinsella, so you know you need to pay attention to me um but was there any of that uh, i guess concern that all of a sudden people started to look at you differently because like oh wow like you know here's mike legendary American football musician. And you're like, well, hold on, hold on. Like, <laughs> let's, let's calm down. Um, no, geez, I hope not. I don't know. I, I, my ex-wife would probably say, yeah, I don't know. Like, you know, <laughs> sure. and I guess my ex drummer would say yes, but even I, I'm still like, like I said, like I'm not, it still seems like I still don't put any value on it. Like I don't put any, I don't put more value on it because more people, you know, like it or more people like the Instagram account or whatever. Like it's, it's just sort of like, how much do I think, you know, how, how good are these songs we made? And, you know, are they being appreciated for like what they are fairly is what I'm sort of into. Right. Right. Uh, and playing some of those huge shows, like when you first started to go out there, was it, um, I guess what was the most surprising as you started to engage with these audiences that it's like, Oh wow, I have to play to the back of the room as opposed to <laughs> the 10 people are in there in front of me. Yeah. I mean that, that part I got used to like sort of the, to see many people into it is sort of like that part is fun. Um, conversely it's, there's potential to have like a much larger room of people that are not into it, <laughs> which is, kind of funny like we, the joke for at american football shows is like the whole front row is like a bunch of really bored and tired looking girls like girlfriends with their boyfriends like air drumming and air guitaring right behind them so uh, <laughs> you know that it's just losing it right? yeah they're just like you know they know every little accent of like every little symbol and everything and then you know the girlfriends like yawning and stuff um yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's obviously it's 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 fun to be in a band that people like and more people like. Um, and I'm, but I'm also kind of like, I kind of I really like that. 
it, it was pretty much no doing on our part. You know what I mean? It's just like, it, I don't, there wasn't like any, I guess, I don't know if it's, if it's cause I'm lazy or proud or whatever, but like there wasn't any effort on our part. <laughs> so right. it just fell into our laps and it's like, Oh, cool. Like this, the, the work we put into the music 15 years ago is, is, is now paying off, but. Right. Yeah. You you hate to use the word uh, organic because that sounds like such a cliche, but it's very true in this application. I mean, it, it is kind of, it did. Right. It's and by organic. I mean, like it's, it it took a ton of super like fortuitous events to occur, like the internet, (laughs) like, I don't know, memes existing, like all this shit. And it's like, Oh cool. That worked really in my benefit, but Right, totally. I especially too when people aren't even connecting the thing that exists on the internet with a band. There's like just the image, you know, and it's like, wow, okay, I guess that that you know, I mean, clearly the house is famous, and obviously people use that as a tourist destination. <laughs> but it's like, I guess when did you personally uh, notice that there was that sort of you know feedback? on the internet where it's like, Oh wow. Like this image or this, you know, song is like devoid from context. Like people are just consuming it for a, you know, piece of media. Um, you know, and and that's fine because clearly like, that's not your choice. Once you put the art out of the world, it's not yours. But when did you notice that kind of boomerang? I mean, people were, I mean, I think, I think like actual fans are like, you know, people who like, already sort of followed me and liked what I do. They just started tagging me in every one of them when it first started happening. And sure. then it just became a snowball of like, you know, I, like now I'm the people using that image or the song. I don't think even know where it came. I think they just think they're referencing other memes, which is, you know, that's like, uh, or, you know, that's exactly like a mirror. That, that's what happened with society in general. You know what I mean? Like, Nobody knows the original origin of anything. It's just like a reference of a reference of a reference, um, which is why all these like '90s sounding bands are popular. It's like they're like it's like sounds like '90s, but it, there's irony in it. And then it's like, man, you should see how earnest like all these grunge bands were back in the day. <laughs> like there was no irony. Like they were fucking living it. Um, yeah. So I mean, that's that's the meme thing, right? It's just it's it's yeah. Um, I don't, it's, I'm still not convinced if I'm being made fun of or if it's just, you know, I don't spend time thinking about it, but I'm not, I'm not like, it's not like a thing, like I'm trying to play up and it's also not a thing I'm trying to squash in any way either. It just sort of exists in a world that's beyond my 44 year old brain. Right. (laughs) Of course. Well, and it's that, that notion too, where it's, you know, people that are, uh, I guess, treading water musically and are just trying to recreate the thing that, you know, made them popular in whatever music scene, uh, like clearly that is not the world that you live in where it's just like, oh yeah. So like, we're going to do part seven of the first self-titled EP or it's like, that's just not your, your beat. No, no, no. No, I mean, it's not, it can't be. I just have, I'm an old man and I got Right. Well, life. <laughs> yeah, you're like I can't, I can't put myself in that space anymore. Yeah. That's not good. <laughs> um, and because, like you, you have mentioned previously, where you've been able to, you know, uh, balance the idea of you know touring and being active in the music, the touring music scene, um, more deliberately. I guess when did you? when did you kind of come to that realization? Was it, um, you know, after you had been doing Owen for a while or, you know, what sort of things, I guess, opened itself up for you to be able to be more, uh, I don't want to use the word picky, but be more selective in your opportunities. I, it it really just, it didn't, I just kind of did the math and it didn't matter. Like I said, like it was, I was whatever stage I was at with like, you know, with the rooms I'm playing in the draw and, the cities I'm playing, I'm just like, it's a wash. Like I can leave for five days and just play like major cities on the East coast, or I can play four shows on the way there and then loop around up through Canada and play four shows on the way back and, and make the same amount of money or lose money actually. So I'm like, okay, what if I just flew there? And what if I, yeah, it was just sort of, it just worked out where I was sort of able to do it, I guess is, you know, it was, it was just logic is what happened. Right. Yeah. 
the pra- the practicalities. Yeah, I get that. And then like people, you know, like I'll still get like announce a tour, and people are like, "Oh, you're not coming to Mobile, Alabama." I'm like, "Well, no, I can't. I got to You know, I'm generally a stay at home dad, and then I can go. You know, I'll play a, around you. <laughs> I just, I'm not like right. I'm just not going to circle the entire country. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Three times in a year, you're going to get me. It's like no, I, that that's not that's not sustainable. Uh, and kind of a, a, along that same tip, there a bit the business implications, you know, always kind of come into a band, even if it's small, where it's just like, oh, how much do we charge for our t-shirts? And like, you once you start to exchange that and start to understand, like, oh, we're getting paid fifty dollars for a show. Did you have the proclivity to like, I guess, enjoy that aspect of it, or ha- has the business side of music always been a little? Um, daunting or like, uh, well, I got to do it, but you know, I'd rather not think about that. Uh, I guess I'll, this past week, you know, I said I played some shows for the first time in 18 months. Um, yep. I, the first show I left all my merch at the venue. Like I drove to the hotel, just forgot it existed. Um, <laughs> they called They're like, what are we, are we supposed to send this somewhere? I'm like, Oh shit, I'm supposed to grab that. Aren't I? So I drove back to the venue. Um, Yep. Second show, I left without settling or getting paid or anything. So I woke up the next day like, oh, man, I forgot to get paid for that show. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm terrible at it. Like it's not even – it doesn't – I guess you know, part of it is I'm just stupid and part of it is uh, when I'm traveling with American football, like somebody's sort of dealing with it and part of it is I'm out of practice for not doing it for a couple of years at all. But um, yeah, that's not – I don't really enjoy that part of it. Um, it's not, yeah, I, I guess I just, I, I got bandmates and stuff that are like really into like all the liner notes and into like the price points for the merch and all this stuff. And it's just not, that's not where I'm coming from. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, you always, there are roles for individual band. Members, oh, absolutely. Uh, or, yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. That's great. I just, that's not, that's not my role, but it's, it's nothing but helpful and it's nothing but like a great, you know, cog in the wheel, you know? Uh, well, absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I, I think I, I appreciate you articulating your two mistakes. Cause I do think that sums up your, <laughs> your experience perfectly. Like, Oh yeah. Well, I forgot the Yeah. I, for, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm, I kind of kicking myself, but also it's all fine. Like I knew it would be fine, but yeah, right. this would be different. Like back in the day, like if, if you left, you know, the house was in somebody's basement and there was no internet. And so you're just like, you relied on maps to get there. And then if you left and headed to the next city, you're like, oh shit, I didn't grab my money. But you know, now it's like, I make a couple emails, a couple calls. It's all good. So. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's much, much more difficult when you're just like, wait, are, are they going to use that for tomorrow's vegan potluck? Right. Like, right. Clean that up. Like, what are we doing here? That's yeah. Well, at least pay it forward, I guess. Right, exactly. It looks like looks like everyone's gonna have uh, owls merch for the next uh, six months in that, that <laughs> city. <laughs> the um, a couple last things I want to hit on was the uh, and this kind of goes back to the you know sort of self deprecating nature of yourself and the way that you know you present your yourself sort of publicly you know on Instagram and other social media outlets where uh, I, I find it. It's interesting when, you know, certain people get uh, put into a status of like, oh, like Mike Kinsella, like clearly a legendary, uh, you know, emo performer and a founder of e- of Midwest Emo. Um, and I know that clearly you don't like buy into that. You're like, well, yes, I was a part of it. I wasn't the, the sole <laughs> driving force behind this. Um, but I, I, I'm, I'm guessing that, you know, after having that thought articulated to you over time, you've been able to sort of, uh, you know, I guess put your or wrap your own head around the uh, role that you played within that. Um, and I, I'm guessing that you're probably just feeling you feel lucky to have been kind of in the time and place scenario rather than uh, look back at that and be like, Oh, you know, I'm just going to joke this away and it's not that important. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, like that's what, um, yes, I absolutely feel lucky. Like I said, like everybody was in a band in high school for whatever reason, right time, place, internet, cool labels i understand like uh i am totally aware of a you know tim's sort of unique voice sort of maybe struck a chord that sort of like to this day sort of speaks to like adolescent kids sort of like wanting to scream um 
I'm speaking of Captain Jazz. Obviously, there are albums like Victor's totally unique, bonkers guitar style. Um, all these things like resonate with people. Um, I was happy to facilitate all that, and it worked out. Um, I don't. I I just I just know I know everything I was trying to like copy and reference. So there's no way I originate anything. I mean, I understand like everything everybody does is, is through their own filter, but like you know, I know which part of um whatever American football song I was just trying to make it sound like Cocteau Twins. You know what I mean? I'm like, this is this is it. This just sounds like Cocteau Twins. And then if once I put my voice on it and other, you know, the other dudes in the bands put their voice on it, um, it doesn't sound like that anymore. But you know, I I guess I know what I know how uh how little I guess what the what's the word like in innovation was involved. It was it was all just me trying to do shit that I thought was cool. So, I mean, somebody else yeah. must have done cool shit first. So, right, <laughs> true. I mean, everybody's standing on the shoulders of giants, and mm-hmm. I think that there is there is that implication where it's like, okay, I just decided to rip off these five artists from you know maybe different music genres, and that you know goes into a uh, subpar blender that shoots out a C rate version of it. But like, well, hey, if that is influential for you, then I'm in. Well, that's, yeah, that's what I mean. There's not, it's, it's nothing but cool. And also like, I'll take credit for, uh, if I can, if in my mind, if I'm like, Oh my God, I really did it. I made this part sound like Elliot Smith through a my bloody Valentine filter with swerve driver drums. You know what I mean? Like if my, if my mind, if I accomplish it, then I'm like, fuck, I did it. You know, I'm like, I'm, I'm nothing but stoked. And I'll take credit for like trying to do that. You know what I mean? Like I said, it's like fantasy football shit. I like, like, okay, cool. I had the vision and now it got executed. That's great. But um, it's, you know, that's, you know, so somebody else is going to use, they're going to be like, oh, this sounds like American football, but they're going to put it through their own filter with whatever band is current and cool. And um, I guess I kind of want to mention too, like my maybe social media, like irreverence is it's cause uh, to me, like everything should be implied. Like, there was a phase where everybody would after every everybody in a band after every show would thank whatever city they just played the night before. And I'm like, that's implied, man. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I, I guess some people would, you know, like maybe it doesn't translate to like, it's a different generation or something, but like, um, and I guess me not being sort of earnest about, I don't know, emo music in general, or like maybe taking like just everything so serious in general, like should be implied like, well, when I'm not making this stupid joke on the internet, you know, I'm raising kids and I'm taking dinner very serious. And you know what I mean? So it's like, I'm a, it just seems like everybody shouldn't have to state everything. So like, uh, earnestly and, and like with such intent, you know, like this is important, blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay. Yeah. But like, we can all understand like that's important you know, without having to say it, I guess is my take on it. But other people yeah. I think just see it as sort of me being either an idiot or an asshole, which is maybe a problem, but. <laughs> well, it's, it, it can be a problem or obviously part of the, the charm that people get attracted to you because I do, I mean, I, I see where you are coming from and I personally agree with that notion of, I, I am sharing who I am, you know, uh, stupid jokes and all or whatever, because I am proud to be able to have this, you know, platform to share these stupid jokes. Sure. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like I'm not, I don't want to dismiss. I think it's like dismissive. I think, I don't know. I think it's dismissive of, of like, you know, people following you to just like treat them like fans. You know what I mean? Like to treat them like, well, you like what I do. So I'm only going to play up this thing. You like that, what I do. And I think mine, I, my my vision anyways, is that it's more inclusive to like treat them like just like, I think this is funny. Like I'm a real human being. This is funny. Do you, maybe you think it's funny or I think this is important if it's kind of political or something. Or, you know, I just, I think it's giving sort of more credit to people than just, just being sort of like, you know, like I, any, any tweet I make referencing never meant is my most popular tweet. Like when I get like, I'm like, I, I'm like reminded like, Oh shit. Okay, cool. Like these people, they, you know, they, they, they're only following me cause they like whatever this is band or song or whatever. And that's cool. But I'm, I'm kind of trying to like, let them into my world in a way that I think it's like sort of more respectful, but um, right. it, I don't know if, I don't know if that actually comes across or not. Right. Right. 
it's like this this will clearly be on my tombstone slash obituary mm-hmm. yep <laughs> so but i i want to push you past that and realize like you know there's there's like, I, I am a human behind never meant i don't know if you know that but that's the goal i don't know yeah who knows <laughs> right um, and the last thing I want to hit on was the, uh, you know, because you are a dad and like you said, you've, you know, you've been so uh, active in your kids' lives by, you know, being there as a, you know, quote unquote, stay at home father. Uh, the only reason I'm putting quotes around it is because, you know, I sometimes feel that's like pejorative where it's like, oh, you're stay home mother. It's like, well, yeah, that's like a full-time job. I don't know. If oh, you know I mean, that's, I'm totally proud of it. Like I'm way more proud of that than, you know, being a quote unquote musician, <laughs> to be honest, like, yeah. <laughs> Totally. You're like, I wish I could write that on my, um, you know, my immigration forms. Like, yeah. What are stay you? At home. I, uh, yeah. Not a musician. Stay at home. Mm-hmm. Dad. Um, and the, the fact that, you know, your kids are old enough to obviously understand, you know, what happens when dad leaves her tour and playing music and stuff like that. Do they think that your, uh, art is, uh, totally lame? Like most kids should think of their parents art, or are they like, oh, are they still in that, that phase where it's like, oh, this is like what dad does is unconventional based around, you know, my friend's dads or whatever. Uh, you know, how does that kind of like ping pong around? I think it's, uh, your house? it's been ignored mostly. I think like, you know, when they were little, they're kind of like bummed I was leaving. Um, sure then they kind of, you know, understood it more. Maybe all of a sudden I'm finding out that we kind of reset and now they're bummed again. And it's, it's a whole different kind of like relearning of that. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't, they definitely don't think it's cool. Like they don't, you know, they're into Roblox, whatever's playing in the background of Roblox and like Taylor Swift and stuff. Um, Sure. I think the goal is that they'll just appreciate that. Like, you know, they get to travel a little bit with me and they, even when they don't want to, they kind of sometimes have to. And I think eventually they'll appreciate that. And, you know, it's, it's a whole, this, this year, especially of just sort of like our last year, I guess, of like homeschooling and everybody's around all the time and stuff. It's, it's sort of like, it's harder than ever. Like I, you know, it's a parent, you know what I mean? Like I, I'm, I have nothing but sympathy for the kids all day. Like having to homeschool and missing their friends and missing normal life. And then to like lay the hammer down on sort of dumb shit, you know, maybe I slacked a little bit for a year, uh, so it's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's like a work in progress. It's like me having to learn how to skip playing Cincinnati. No offense, Cincinnati. You know, I have to like learn how to like, kids, I'm leaving for a while. You know, you'll be okay. I'll see you in a week. You know what I mean? And not have it be a big deal again. So. Sure. Right. Right. It's like, yeah, getting, getting back into the flow of it. Mm-hmm, as it were. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, wh- one last thing, the, b- because you have covered so much, uh, musically speaking within the context of all the different projects and all the different bands that you've played in. Um, there has to be one thing where it's like, you know what, if I could like, I would love to play in a hair metal band or I would love to play in a, you know, youth crew, hardcore band. Like, Mm -hmm. is there something, I mean, not even so much that you're actually going to execute it, but uh, you know, if you could snap your fingers and all of a sudden it would happen, um, you know, is there one sort of area that you would, uh, like to just be sort of, you know, diving into? Um, I always regretted right when um, I played football up until high school. And then I, I quit. I didn't try out for the football team because I was like, oh, cool. I'm in this band now. <laughs> so so I guess it'd be high school football. I think I, I think I would have enjoyed it for four years. I don't think I would have gone further, but um, I think I would have enjoyed that more than, I mean, also, you know, metal band, shoegaze band, cock rock band, all the above. But yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you could, I mean, just like, uh, the great 10 yard fight combined, uh, you know, old school, hardcore and football, <laughs> you, could theor- you could theoretically do that for a shoegaze band. If you really, that's true. I can, that. I can, I don't have that much time with, you know, stay at home dad and shit, but yeah, well, too old. you just have to, right. You just have to wait for them to grow up a little bit and then you can obviously enlist them for a musical. Oh album. yeah. The old, like Jeff Tweedy, get my kid to play drums. Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> Exactly. Or like, uh, I think, uh, yeah, John Carpenter plays with his son as well. So it's like, yeah, there's, there's a lot of different avenues you can go. So yeah, I'll, I'll invoice you after. (laughs) You're getting your cut. Don't worry. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well, Mike, thank you so much for hanging out. I honestly, yeah. Thanks for the interest, man. Oh boy. That was Mr. Mike Kinsella. And thank you very much to him and his publicist, Chris, for connecting the dots and making this interview happen because, People are doing work for this. Like, this is a real thing. So I appreciate when people spend time with me, and hopefully they feel like they have uh, not wasted their time, like I was talking about at the top of the show. Next week, 
It is a discussion with Dale Crover, who is the drummer of the Melvins, and uh, he also at one point drummed for Nirvana, like no big deal. But uh, Dale and I had a really fun and spirited conversation. He is an energetic dude, and uh, for whatever reason, the internet was having a lot of problems that day, so the conversation is uh, a little uh, all over the place, but we were able to have a great discussion, and that is what's happening next week. Dale Crover, legendary, legendary. So many legends on this podcast, but anyways, until then, please be safe, everybody.